it's me, Harlan Ellison, back at it again with a new episode of the Boy Time Podcast. And as always, I'm joined by Babby. Mm-hmm. We have a slam dunk episode, as always. It's our week three of the Desert Marathon. Uh, might I say the best week we've had so far. I liked... Um, two of the movies a lot and the third one is interesting and I'm, I have a lot to say about it but it is gross <laughs> weird and boring um but that makes it interesting too but I think aside from that has there been anything newsworthy um, there was, a so. there was a PlayStation direct thing last week. Um, uh, I don't remember anything really catching my eye. Silent Hill fans are still dying. Uh, I saw that Silent Hill 2 is getting a remake, uh, which I think is one of the most requested remakes of all time. Everybody loves that game. I just think it hasn't really aged the best, so a remake would be very welcome, but I think they took, like, a Resident Evil approach with it, or, like, they kind of redid the combat, made it more combat-centric, which the original Silent Hill games aren't really, so people are upset. Uh, I don't really care, though, because I have not um, played any of those games, and I probably won't anytime soon, because I think they're ridiculously expensive uh, to get them secondhand. I've never seen them, and I've been going to uh, retro video game stores for a year. I've seen Pokemon games, but I've not seen Silent Hill games. So, I'm not going to say that Silent Hill is rarer than Pokemon, but that probably is true, just in that more people right, yeah. bought Pokemon games than Silent Hill games. True. But, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how much Silent Hill games are secondhand. But with this and the, like, free-to-play live stream Silent Hill thing that happened last year, it's like, man, I don't know if Konami knows what they're doing. <laughs> Which I guess you could say <laughs> anytime. Um, and, yeah, I guess other part of that direct, like, there was, like, 10 minutes of it for Death Stranding 2. Um, I don't really care about it. I think it's kind of interesting, I guess. And maybe is a... I don't really like, uh, you know. There's this trend in, in video games these days where it's very... I don't know about fashionable, but it's it's trendy right now for game developers to mocap actors and then have the character be their likeness, which I guess, you know, I don't know if it started with Keanu Reeves or maybe you could say it started with Kevin Spacey and Advanced Warfare because that's, I don't know, that's probably not the first time uh, that, that that happened, but... Um, you know, I'm not such a big fan of it because I, I really like when games can, uh, really push, uh, for really 
nice character design and when you're constrained to how an actor actually looks then i think that kind of limits the possibilities um so i'm not such a big fan of it kojima has been a big proponent of this post metal gear uh it seems like everything that he is making or has made has been with mocapped actors and then using their likeness in the games. Um, I mean, that's all Death Stranding. It's like Norman Reedus and Mads Mikkelsen and uh, Leah Seydoux. And I think Guillermo del Toro's in it. And he's in it. And is Edgar Wright in it? There's a bunch of cameos in that game. I don't remember. But I think this is maybe maybe becoming a problem with Kojima that I have in that I think he loves movies and I think he should make movies because that seems to be what he's passionate about. Like I like reading his reviews for movies whenever he posts them. He's like really, he's like actually a pretty, t- <laughs> he knows the stuff, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, And so, like, you can tell that it's a big thing. I mean, he's working... I mean, PT was going to be with Guillermo del Toro. It seems like this new game that he's working on with PlayStation is going to be... He said it's going to be like a... It's an interactive game, but he's like, it's going to be more of a movie than it is... I don't know. It's going to be like a mix. So I don't know if that means that, like... It's going to be like a, a Naughty Dog game or something where there's like a lot of cutscenes and like a large part of the experience is watching three, four minute long cutscenes. Or if it is going to be more of a movie and then like quick time segments or something, I don't really know what to expect, but that's always true when Kojima's in the conversation. But I think a lot of people are excited because it is an action espionage game. So everybody's like, yo, new Metal Gear dropping. I don't know if that's going to be the case just because of how he's describing it. And when they talked about it on the direct, it was like they pulled out of like the shot where Kojima is. And it was like on a soundstage in like... um. Oh, what's that? Oh, boy. It's the lady, the Statue of Liberty lady, her studio. Frick, why can't I think of it? It's like, there's like TriStar, and that's the Pegasus one. And then there's the lady who's the Statue of Liberty, but like a real lady, and she's a studio. And I can't think of what it's called, but it's that studio, because I guess Sony owns it. So... Uh, they're at that lot whatever it's going to be more like a movie than it is a game so that's fine I just wish that Kojima just made movies like I, I I'm not sure I'm not sure how I feel about it but yeah I don't know if you want to make games make games if you want to make movies make movies it's obvious that he has a lot of trust and respect in actual actors because uh, he almost exclusively is hiring known talent in like film and TV shows. Um, 
And from what I can tell from actors who have worked with him is that he's actually a pretty solid director, which I don't completely understand because he only speaks Japanese. But I, I guess it's, it's happened before where he, uh, someone in a foreign language directs uh, someone else who doesn't speak the language. But I don't know. I don't know. I just really like Kojima's stuff in Metal Gear, and everything after that has been kind of weird and not completely my thing. But I'm... I mean, I'll check it out. We'll see. I'm not really interested in Death Stranding 2, but I know Sony's really pushing it because it's an exclusive, and so, yeah, I give it a 10-minute trailer. And I think Kojima does have that, like, dedicated fan base that will play anything that he makes, but... I don't know. I don't know. But those were probably the two biggest things from that direct. There was some other uh, some other things that other people were excited for. I didn't care about them at all. So there you go. Those are the, the two interesting things, I guess, from that PlayStation Direct. Um, but in terms of gaming, there has been some news recently that's kind of interesting in that uh, Xbox is looking to... Um, they're going to be doing like a more like a business, like state of the union, I guess, update coming next week. Um, and this is a mid talks of Xbox. Like, I think it started with, Hey, we might release Starfield on PlayStation five. And now they're saying, well, maybe we'll move gears of war also going to be coming to PlayStation five. And so this is like, oh, are they just going to, like, drop the console part of their division and just be, like, a game publisher? Like, is that where this is heading, where they're not wanting to be in the console game? I don't know. Kind of interesting, I guess. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, Babby just sent me a message. I don't know if that came up on the uh, episode. But his uh, wavelength died, so he's not here. So I'll just carry on, and then he'll just join in when uh, when he fixes it. And so, uh, <laughs> okay, it's just me. I forgot where I was. Uh, oh, Michael sought the next box. So we're in a kind of interesting spot where... Um, there are some like diehard Xbox fanboys that are like, we gotta, what do you, this is going to completely make your console obsolete because if you release all of your stuff on PlayStation and on Xbox, then why would anyone get an Xbox? Because PlayStation is going to keep exclusives. So if we come to a place where Microsoft is releasing games on both, then there's no real reason to own an Xbox unless you're like a diehard Xbox fan, I guess. But then you would also need to get a PlayStation 5. So it doesn't really make any sense. Um, but also, I don't, I don't necessarily want to live in a world where Sony is the only one out there because they're kind of, business-wise, they can be kind of shady and uh, pull some yucky things. Um, so I think having Xbox be out there is going to maybe good. Uh, I don't know. 
I just don't know if a world where Sony and Nintendo are the only ones making consoles is a good one. But we'll see. We'll see. And I should probably say I'm not an Xbox fan at all. I I have an Xbox One S, but that was just so I could play Rare Replay and the Orange Box. Um, but I have, I'm not really... Never played a Gears of War game. Um... Uh, what are the other Xbox franchises? Um, is Gex uh, an I'm, I'm a Xbox? I think that was N64, not on the Xbox. I'm not sure, but I'm not an Xbox guy. But I just think that, you know, Xbox and Xbox Game Pass might be the only thing keeping PlayStation in check right now. And, uh, yeah, monopolies are bad, so we'll see. We'll see. And I mean, Nintendo's not doing anything. Nintendo's off in their own realm. They've been in their own realm since 2008 when they decided uh, we don't care about third-party support at all and we're just going to be making our own games, which is fine. I mean, it has its place and Nintendo has definitely earned it. I think they've made some of the best games ever. Um, But, you know, they're not really on the same level as... Sony or Microsoft in the uh, console division. So there's that. We might cover it next week. We might not. It'll depend on what they say. If it's everything as normal, I I don't know. Well, it's probably not going to be everything as normal. It's going to be something because they're going to address everybody. But there's that. There's that. I think that's pretty much it for gaming stuff. Uh, no other big industry things, I think. Um, but before we jump into the Desert Marathon, I do kind of want to talk about uh, a show that I watched. Uh, kind of a... Um, kind of different <laughs> the ones I've been talking about. Because the ones I've been talking about recently have been uh, very dark and not necessarily sad. Just really dark and heavy. Like I talked about the newest season of Fargo and I talked about True Detective season one. So I decided I need a little break. And I had heard some people talk about the hit film, not film, hit TV show Jury Duty, uh, which is a great. The one with Brian Cranston in it. No, (laughs) I think that's called The Judge. Ah, that's what I'm thinking. Yes. Or, I don't know. I haven't seen it. I've heard good things. I just haven't seen it. Uh, no, Jury Duty is, it's kind of like a, uh, <laughs> it's like, I guess it's reality TV. But what it is, is that they basically hired a bunch of actors to play like a judge and a, um, they just like make a fake case and there's a fake jury except for one person. There's one real person in the jury duty and the rest of everything is hired. They're all actors. Um, James Marsden is in it, uh, playing himself like a, <laughs> like a, um, I don't really know how to describe it. Uh, like self-centered, uh, spoiled version of himself. Because I don't think James Marsden has reached that level yet. I mean, he's not like the biggest star ever. He was in Sonic and Hop. 
playing the same role. I think that's everything. That's everything that James Marsden has ever been in. It's maybe a little disrespectful, but he was good in X-Men and uh, Enchanted. I thought he was pretty good in Enchanted, but he's in it. So it's kind of fun because it's, you know, we're watching this trial play out and um, it's just this one real guy and everything else is happening and it's so crazy. But, you know, what's nice is that he's like a really nice and sweet guy. And so it's like all this crazy stuff is happening, but he's like keeping everybody together. And it's like, oh, this is kind of nice. It's a nice little comfort show, I guess. Uh, I would recommend it. It's, it's fun. It's funny. And, uh, it's nice. I like James Marsden and, uh, thought the show was pretty good. It's on, it's apparently a free V original. I watched it on Amazon prime because Amazon owns free V. Don't ask me why they have two streaming services, but they do. I guess you could ask Disney the same question. Um, until I think they are merging those some point but that's it there's not a whole lot to say about it it's just like it exists it's pretty fun and i enjoyed it so that's jury duty but i think we'll move on to the boy time desert marathon yippee yay everybody's favorite marathon um i don't know which marathon i like better I like them all equally. And by all, I mean the two we've done so far. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, this week, we watched the first Mad Max, the second Mad Max, not the third one. There is a third one, and it has Tina Turner in it. I didn't watch that one. We watched A Boy and His Dog. Um, you can probably guess which ones I liked a lot. And which one I didn't, just based on what I said. And Mad Max. Mad Max is great, um, but I guess we'll get started with the first one, because the first one, straight up, I don't know if it's set in the post-apocalypse, and I think that's a problem, because uh, for some reason, um, Mad Max is a cop. Oh, first of all. But second of all, he's a cop, but nothing has changed really in the world. Like people go to restaurants and they like, oh, let's go on a vacation. Let's go to the cabin in the woods. And it's it, there's woods. I guess that's also important. There's barely any desert in this, which frankly, for the Boy Time Desert Marathon, I was let down. You know, I was expecting. I did. Well, I I didn't dock it for not being set in the desert. <laughs> <laughs> but I docked points in the sense that there's no desert in it. I thought, okay, you know, maybe it's set in like the Australian outback, you know? That's where all the other ones are set. But no, this one's like in the quaint Australian countryside. Like, I don't, I didn't know Australia had a countryside, but I guess they do. And they're just like rolling plains and like shrubbery everywhere. And I'm like, this is not, <laughs> this is not the post-apocalypse. Literally the only thing that's post-apocalyptic in this whole thing is that there is a motorcycle gang 
But really, that you can take that motorcycle gang out of Mad Max and put it into any canon action movie from the 80s and Chuck Norris is going to fight him and literally nothing would change. It. I don't know if it's set in the post-apocalypse. It just might be a motorcycle gang. But I guess the only thing that does point to it being a post-apocalypse is that all of the police officers wear leather, exclusively leather, like they're leather daddies, and that's kind of fun. And they just, like, walk around the police office shirtless with, like, leather straps all over them. And I'm like, what is this? Why do the police look like this? It was just kind of weird. And they do uh, explicitly have police brutality, which also does point to it being post-apocalyptic, because that would never happen in real life. Not with our justice system. Never. Mm -mm. Not with the Australian justice system either which I don't know anything about. I'm sure it's just and fair, though. But I guess uh, the plot of the first Mad Max movie is uh, Max is a cop, and it starts off in a police chase, and they're chasing this guy. I think he's called the Knight Rider or something. And the Knight Rider is driving around all crazy, and then he crashes his car, and for some reason, the motorcycle gang that the Knight Rider was with was like, Mad Max, it was your fault that this guy crashed his car. We're going to kill you and your entire family. And Max is like, okay, that's fine with me. Everybody wants to kill me. I'm Mad Max. I'm the best cop in all of Australia. And I was like, what is this? This is not Mad Max at all. I was very angry and upset. Because I was I was expecting a lot of vehicle action. What I got was a cop movie. And I'm like, I don't want to watch a cop movie. I want to watch a movie where a bunch of post-apocalyptic guys get run over by cars. And that's not what this movie is. There is a moment where one person gets run over with a car. And it's spoilers. But I already said we are going to watch this movie. So I can just spoil it away. It's Mad Max's wife and infant daughter or son. I think it's his son. Uh, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of awesome because like the motorcycle gang finds them and they're running away in the countryside, and you know Max is trying to find them in the woods because there's woods. There's not a nuclear apocalypse. It's, he's just in the woods, and his wife and son are like running in the road. They're running away from the motorcycle gang, and then the motorcycle gang get in a V. And then they run them over and you just see like a baby's shoe rolling in the street as the motorcycle gang drives away. Like, okay, that seems very unnecessary, but okay. So it's kind of awesome. And that's when Max turns into Mad Max because he hangs up his cop spurs and starts dishing out street justice for like the last five minutes of the movie. He like murders everybody. It's so short. But I don't know. I kind of liked it. It was a little bit of vehicle action that I was expecting. And then it was over. And I was a little disappointed. I really wanted the Mad Max part to go on longer. But it doesn't. It really feels like this first part is a prequel to the second one. Like, you do not have to watch this one at all. Um you don't even really need to know Max's character going into the second one. Like, he is basically a different person. So I don't know why the second one is even related to the first one. 
I guess. If you think of the name Mad Max, I guess you kind of have to make more movies because that's like a great name. It's like Happy Feet. They had to make multiple Happy Feet movies because that's a great name for a movie. Even though they shouldn't have. They shouldn't have. But I'm just saying, George Miller, he can think of great names of stuff, so he has to make more movies. He made two Babe movies. I haven't seen any of them. But I think it's just kind of funny that Mad Max, the guy who made Mad Max also made Happy Feet and Babe. Just like two vastly different things. But, oh, and he's in the Death Stranding too, we were talking about earlier. Um, kind of a weird pick. But I'll take it. Um, so yeah, the second one is way better. It's arguably a masterpiece. Um, I think when we're talking about like Mad Max, like or even just like vehicle action in general, I think up until 2017 when Fury Road came out, it was like okay, the best vehicle action is in Mad Max Two, aka The Road Warrior arguably a better name for the movie us americans really got that right when we renamed the movie which we always tend to do i don't know why it's like we need to make the movie better let's just change the title and dumb americans will like it better although <laughs> that's not unique to us because every country does that i found no, yeah but each country is a particular type of dumb that's true I've been going down this rabbit hole of like what's really funny is that in France they will translate the movie into French and then retranslate it into English for the English speakers that live in France. And it's kind of funny because then you can just take the like American English version and then the French English version and the French English version always has sex in it. It doesn't matter <laughs> what the movie is. It's like, they'll take like, I don't know. I was going to say Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. They wouldn't do that with a kid's movie. <laughs> it would be like a wrong. It's the French, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, true. I forget which one it was. There was like a rom-com that they changed to like the Sex Chronicles. And it's just like, what is, what is this? So it happens everywhere, but... Although, let's be honest, The Road Warrior is kind of a badass name for a movie. I like that. But I think nowadays it's kind of generally known all over the world as Mad Max 2 colon The Road Warrior. Although, so I think the thing is, sorry to get too much into the history of it, but I think the first Mad Max movie did not get an international release. I think it was just in Australia. And then when a studio saw that, picked it up, and then greenlit a sequel, then it was like, okay, well, we can't call it Mad Max 2 because everybody, you know, nobody's seen the first Mad Max movie when we're releasing it internationally. So I think they just had to rename it to The Road Warrior, even though when the movie starts, it's like big, bold Mad Max 2 title card. There, It doesn't even say The Road Warrior in it, so it's kind of confusing, but... Uh, this movie slaps, uh, and this is exactly what I was hoping for, you know, Mad Max is this morally amb ambiguous, I guess, like, roamer of the wasteland, it's all desert, finally, Boy Time Desert Marathon, we finally get to one that's set in the desert, all of the other ones have been, but 
I guess one out of nine now has been not set in the desert, so that's pretty good. It's a good ratio. I think so. Really, it should be all of them. It but, should be, but I mean... <laughs> I just... I didn't know. I didn't know. I just assumed that Mad Max was also set in the post-apocalypse, but it isn't. Um, but yeah, he's this morally ambiguous... He drives around. He's got his black leather jacket on. He's got his all-black car with, like, the engine sticking out of the front. You know, it's super cool, and he's he's a badass, and he has a sawed-off shotgun. Um and I think the plot of it is fairly boilerplate where, you know, there's this, uh, there's this tribe of people and it is like so on the nose, but it is like, there's this tribe of people and they dress up in all white and they have an oil drill and a refinery. And so they're like the only people that are producing gas uh, which is very valuable in the world of Mad Max. Everything is like, there's so many cars. Everything, like gasoline is almost more important than water. Like that is that is what we're dealing with in this post-apocalypse. And so these people are like the only people in the wasteland that are actively producing gas. So it's very, very sought after. So they have like, they have to like protect it. There's a lot of fortifications and all sorts of stuff that Max wants in. And then there's this bad group that comes in and they're dressed in all black because, uh, of course, and uh, they're all weirdos uh, wearing masks and having different colored hair and mohawks. So, like, you know, textbook evil in the early 80s. And um, they're like, hey, y'all should leave uh, because we want the gas. If you leave, we won't kill everybody, but just leave everything. We want everything. Uh, if you do that, then we won't kill you. And then everybody, you know, all of, I was going to say the white people. That's probably not the best thing to say. I don't know what their tribe is called though. They just dress in all white. Uh, the good guys, I guess the good guys, like we're not going down without a fight. And so Max is like, I'm going to save the day. And so he helps them. And there's this guy who's like obsessed with snakes and he drives a helicopter. I don't ask me how there's a helicopter in the post-apocalypse and why this weirdo who talks to snakes is a pilot, but he is. I don't know. It's kind of a hard movie to talk about because nothing really happens. Like that is just... That is the setup, and then the rest of it is cool vehicle action. It would be the same, like, if we're talking about Fury Road, because, well, the whole thing with Fury Road is that it's one giant action thing. It's all one chase, which is why that movie is fantastic. But this movie is also fantastic, just different. Um, but like Fury Road, everything, you know, obviously is done, um, you know, with practical effects, not everything in Fury Road is practical, but a lot of it is. Um, and I don't think anyone died in the making of Mad Max 2. It would not surprise me if it if someone did, though, because they're doing, like, crazy stuff. Like, you know, they're just driving on a highway in a big oil tanker, and there's, like, people jumping on, like, the side of the truck, like, not even, like, holding on to, like, nothing. 
I'm like, this is insanely dangerous. And like, you can tell that like everything's really like they're going fast. You can see the background moving and this isn't on like a soundstage. This is all real. And it's just like, this is crazy that this actually happened. So it's more of a spectacle than anything, which I think is the same thing that Fury Road does. Although Fury Road looks better. It's a, it's a very pretty movie. Um, where this one is not, it, I mean, it, it looks like an 80s action movie, nothing too crazy, but check those out, well, check the second one out, you don't have to watch the first one, um, it literally doesn't matter at all, uh, just know that Mad Max's family dies, and that's all you need to know, you don't even really need to know that. Honestly, it doesn't come up at all in the second one. So there's literally no reason to watch the first one. I just wanted to do it because I really wanted to understand Max's character. And now I know that he's an ex-cop, which frankly means that he's supposed to die in the desert. But he doesn't. Well, actually, I haven't seen the third one. Maybe he does. They did replace him. No spoilers. No spoilers. They did replace Mel Gibson for some reason in the new one. I don't understand it. This, like, woke Hollywood bullshit. I don't understand. You can't say anything anymore. It's like, I don't understand. Like, how can Kanye release a song with a new album with Ty Dolla Sign, but Mel Gibson can't even get in a movie <laughs> anymore? Well, he still hasn't released it, so who knows? That's true. <laughs> I'm just calling out woke Hollywood leftists for having a double standard against my man, Mel Gibson, who I thought was okay in these movies. I don't know if I've ever seen Mel Gibson in a role and I've been like, wow, that was a great performance. And maybe it's because I've known pretty much all my life that he's a weirdo anti-Semite and he and his dad both beat up Jewish people, right? That's what happened. I don't remember. Or black people. I know he and his dad committed some sort of hate crime. Uh, not like Marky Mark did where it was before his no, fame. Yeah. It was like <laughs> in the heat of it. But yeah, there you go. Check out Mad Max too. I think it, it you know, it, it isn't quite as good as Fury Road, but I mean, that's a really, really high standard. So uh, I, I will say, you know, just like one little notch below. But if you're into Fury Road and you're like, well, I mean, check out this one. I don't know if Beyond Thunderdome is any good. The only thing I know about it is that Tina Turner is in it. That's literally the only thing I know about it. Uh, well, and Mel Gibson is also in it. My idol and my icon and my savior. My king. My king. Mel Gibson. But now let's talk about something even more interesting than the Mad Max franchise, and that is A Boy and His Dog. Now, I specifically saved this one for last because uh, big old content warning on this one, a lot of sexual assault. Something I was not expecting in a movie called A Boy and His Dog. I thought it was just a nice film about a dog and a boy. That's what I thought. I thought this was going to be... I What is a movie with a boy and a dog in it? Up. Up. I, I actually... Marley and Me. 
Is there a boy in Marley and Me? Marmaduke. I don't know. <laughs> I don't remember anything about the Marmaduke movie. <laughs> Except I know a lot about the one that Pete Davidson was in as Marmaduke. Of course. It's a great movie. No, but a boy and his dog. I think it is a product of... Okay, so it's going to be hard to talk about this without talking about the author of the original movie, Harlan Ellison, who I didn't know that much about, uh, which maybe is a shame, but also he's a weirdo, (laughs) and I don't know how else to describe him. I shouldn't say he's. He was. He unfortunately passed in 2018. Wah, wah. Very, very sad. Uh, and uh, well, Let me see how old he was. He was 84, so that's fine. And he's also from Ohio, so he probably deserved it. Wah, wah. But, yeah, it's that weird era in sci-fi. He was active in, like, the, like, 60s and 70s. Like, that, you know... I don't really know how to describe this era of sci-fi, but it's like he was really big and like Isaac Asimov was really big and they were in like these sci-fi journals. But what you have to understand about Harlan Ellison is that he's like halfway a legend and like halfway a deviant of sorts, like an actual problem. (laughs) But he's also... (laughs) kind of a badass it's so weird i was trying to do some research on him today because i i watched the movie earlier today and i'm like okay i need to i need to figure out what just happened because this is one of the wildest movies i've ever seen as like such a hard left turn that i did not expect at all uh and keep in mind this is the post-apocalypse so it's going to get dark. I think Harlan Ellison mostly did dark, dystopian, uh, that kind of sci-fi. Like he made the very, I don't know if it's very famous, but the I have no mouth yet I must scream. A classic. It's a classic. It's probably one of the best titles of, of any of those sci-fi books. Um, he had a lot of like, slappers though because another one of his is like repent harlequin said the tiktok man tiktok i know well actually maybe it's tiktokman because it's all one word tiktokman so that that's also pretty good um but yeah it's kind of uh i don't know i don't know how to describe his stuff um but all i all i have to say about him really is that you know you go to his wikipedia page and then it's like okay you have early life and career hollywood and beyond personal life and death pseudonyms and then controversies and disputes has its own sub folder and there's like 10 things that are like bold that are like okay these are all of the controversies that have been listed and some of them pretty cool like he was very adamantly against the Vietnam War. And uh, in 1969, he was the guest of honor at like the first Aggie Con, which was like a sci-fi con. I don't think it's still a thing. Um, And this place, uh, (laughs) the place that was hosting it was A&M, which was a military academy, like up until like five years before this happened. 
and um <laughs> the whole time he was there he was giving like anti-military remarks and like just going off about the military and a bunch of the people there were still like cadets and so like it caused like a giant food fight to happen in the middle of it and he just like eh whatever he just kind of left it's like that's kind of epic um but I let me read this one this one was really funny um yeah uh so <laughs> basically in one of his books um there was like the publisher was like binding cigarette ads into like the book lining for some reason I didn't even know you could do that but I guess you could in the 70s um but he was like so pissed about this that like he just started sending them like the, the wikipedia page says he sent them dozens of bricks that were postage due so they had to pay for them <laughs> and then he ended it with the big climax of sending them a dead gopher classic this guy's like completely insane um and there's just like a lot of stuff like that like he's very eccentric weird and uh angry but there's also some like bad stuff where like he supported Ed Kramer, who was like an editor for a sci-fi magazine. Um, he was abusing kids uh, sexually, and uh, Ellison was like, "No, actually, it's fine. We should we should just ignore that, even though he pled guilty. It's fine. So <laughs> it's fine. Um, that wasn't great." Um, he was also in 2006, he won a Hugo award and, uh, the presenter Connie Willis was like, Hey, are you going to be good? And in response, he stuck the microphone in his mouth. And then at the end, while like they, you know, they were going to walk off after the uh, award thing, like when he, they were going to like hug or something, he like felt her up and like, he was like mad about it later and he was like she doesn't even like accept my apology like what's her problem <laughs> can she tell it was a joke i was like oh boy it's like that you know it's that era everybody's kind of sleazy and gross and this guy was definitely sexually frustrated i just really wanted to set the scene because this story i think kind of deserves it because it starts off and it has like a really, really interesting premise, in my humble opinion, because uh, it's taking place in the great year of 2024, year of our Lord 2024. Uh, you know, that's right now, which does make me like the movie a whole lot more because it's very relatable. But what's not relatable is that this movie kind of deviates from history in one spot, and that is... JFK is not assassinated. They try and they miss. All three shooters all miss. It's crazy. <laughs> At least he thought that there was three shooters. I don't know. <laughs> they say there was three. It just says that the assassination failed. Um, so then JFK starts World War Three, And it's... Naturally. Naturally. There's no nukes. World War Three is fine. It's a it's a very traditional war, and a war where everyone has nukes, nobody uses them, and that's how it's going to be in real life. Too. Gentleman's game. It's a gentleman's game, but because they were at war, 
This doesn't make any sense. Because they were at war with the Soviet Union, the space race never happened. I don't know why, but it doesn't. Instead, both the Soviets and the United States focus on beating each other in creating telepathic dogs. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they both do it. And then I don't remember what happens at the end of World War Three. I don't know if they ever say. It just ends. But then like 15 years later, World War Four starts. And that's the one where everybody gets nuked. Uh, they, I think they explicitly say, yeah, World War Four lasted like a couple minutes, just enough time for all of the missiles to leave the silos. A pretty, uh, a very poetic way of saying that. But um, yeah, so this movie follows a 15-year-old boy and his telepathic dog, Blood. And uh, yeah, I don't know why he's called Blood. <laughs> uh, but the kid's name is Vic, not Mensa. That would have been cool. Unfortunate. Um, but uh, this is okay. This is officially where the content warning starts. I can't even. I can't even go into the plot anymore without saying what they do because it is nuts. It starts off, and the boy is like looting this place that was recently raided by raiders, and he's like, "Okay," and there's just like a chick naked on like a table. And, like, she's, like, all cut up. And he's like, damn, I wish they didn't cut her up. She could still be used two more times. And I, that was the first moment. I'm like, oh, this this is gross. Is, this better not be a running thing. Not only is it a running thing, it is the main theme of the story is this 15-year-old boy uses this telepathic dog that can locate women. I don't know how. But this dog can locate women. Nas. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't understand. But he can, I guess, sense where women are. And so then in exchange for food, the dog senses women. The boy goes in, sexually assaults them, is the polite way of saying it. And that, that's, that's their life. The dog gets fed and the boy gets pussy i don't know it's so weird and gross i hate it <laughs> maybe i don't know if it would have been better if it wasn't a child but i think it is kind of worse i don't know <laughs> this movie made me very uncomfortable but that's not even the weirdest part if you thought that the telepathic dog that can locate women just to be sexually assaulted was like the weirdest part of this movie Boy, you would be not so wrong because that is also weird. But um, so about halfway through the movie, they find this lady. You can imagine what happens. Uh, but she falls in love with him after because that's how women are. Um, and... She's like, hey, you should come back to my place. I live in a bunker in, in the ground. And he's like, that's weird. I don't want to do that. But she, like, runs away. And he was like, oh, I mean, I do kind of want to be with her because, like, she did. 
willingly have sex with me, which is a concept that's new to him. (laughs) (laughs) So, so he tracks her down, goes into this bunker that's in the ground. And there is a whole underground society of people that have like white powder all over their face, but they have like the Joker smile put on their lips with lipstick and they have like blush cheeks and they live and it's like high society, but it's all underground and it's dark and like they murder a bunch of people. But it turns out this is like a midsummer situation where like she was luring him in because this secret society was watching him somehow. And they were like, this guy, this guy has that seed that we need because it turns out if you live underground for enough time, dudes just become sterile. I don't, I don't think that's true. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe it's like, uh, they need like more genetic diversity. That would make more sense, but they specifically say like, yeah, we keep plowing chicks, but like nothing happens. So like they specifically find this guy cause they're like, Oh, I don't know. Like, Oh, he has good characteristics for what we want. He's white. That might be it. There's no black people in this entire movie. That's not really revel- relevant, but I just thought I would bring it up. Uh, and <laughs> so they, they kidnap him once he gets in the bunker and then they hook him up to like a sucky machine and he was like, yay, you guys want me to knock up all your women? Awesome. I'll just plow everybody. And they're like, uh-uh-uh, we're going to suck it out of you with this machine. And he's like, oh, rats. So they tie him up to Gordon a... Gordon Peterson style. <laughs> yeah, kind of. But I I don't know. Less sexy? I think Jordan Peterson's hot. <laughs> That's just me. Uh, I think that is my thing, just you. <laughs> that's just me? Yeah. Well, I just like my, my men to sound like Kermit. <laughs> that's kind of my thing. <laughs> or, or when he, like, tweeted at the, the Sesame Street account, and he's like, you demon! <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and it was just like a video of, like, a worm on Sesame Street. <laughs> yeah, he's he was like, going hard. Die in a hole. <laughs> Didn't he tweet at Elmo recently too with yeah. that whole thing? Yeah. It makes sense. You know, he's a renegade Muppet. So like he doesn't really like where he came from. I guess. I guess so. Yeah, so Jordan Peterson's like tied up to the table and he's getting like the semen sucked out of him. <laughs> uh which is, you know, it's weird <laughs> because uh, they have him in like the middle of the room and then they're like doing wedding ceremonies in like a corner of like a bunch of a bunch of like older dudes and like young girls. I don't know how to talk about this movie because it is it's so gross and weird. Uh, but yeah, they specifically marry like younger girls, to older dudes, and then uh they get like a little vial of this I don't this young boy's semen and they impregnate which begs the question okay there's like there's like a list there's a chalkboard behind where they're doing the wedding ceremonies and there's like lists of people and all I'm going to say 
is if this is a genetic diversity thing where it's like, ah, we're too insular, we need new genes to be introduced into the gene pool, and then you have like this guy impregnate half of your population, then half of your population is going to be related to each other, like by the first degree, which is not good. But maybe that's not the point. I don't know. It worked for England for a while. It, yeah, that's true. That is true. I don't know. I just thought of that right now, and I'm like, that's weird. Why did it? Why was it like everybody? But I digress. Basically, the lady that falls in love with him breaks him out, and then they go above ground, and the dog was still there waiting for him. And it's like this really heartwarming moment where it's like, oh yeah, now these guys are gonna <laughs> go back to. <laughs> They're gonna go back to locating and sexually assaulting a bunch of women. Um, but there's like this moment at the end where it's like the girl's like, Oh, you should just abandon the dog and be with me. Like we'll figure out, we'll, we'll work together and we'll survive. And the dog is like, don't trust her. Don't and, trust her. But he's like bleeding out cause he was attacked and something that I didn't mention. <laughs> it wasn't important. Trust me, that was one of the least important things is that the dog is fatally wounded, but it's fine. And he was just chilling there. Um, and he's like, hey, don't, don't trust her. Be with me, your dog. And the guy, it, it's implied. It's implied that the guy murders the girl and then tears up her dress to tend to the dog's wounds because we cut from that scene to them walking off into the sunset with the dog having torn up white rags all over his body and then they're just like oh can't wait to go over here pal oh i sure do love you vic and it's just like what <laughs> what and then it just freeze frames and credits and it's just like that's how you end a movie that's not a happy ending. They're going to keep doing that. I don't know. that move. I, I don't know how to talk about that movie. I don't even know if I did it justice. But that's a boy and his dog. But fun fact, I read about half of the book. It's a short story by Harlan Ellison. Um, and I was like, okay, maybe like that was like a weird thing they did with the movie. No, this is the most accurate adaptation I have ever seen, ever. Except for maybe Zack Snyder's Watchmen. Where actually, it's very comparable to Zack Snyder's Watchmen. Because like they're taking dialogue straight out of the book and putting it in the movie. And I was like, oh, it's only 20 pages. It can't be that bad. But like they go more into detail. I'm like, I don't need to know about this kid's STDs. Like, that's... That's too much. I don't need to know all of this. So I didn't quite finish it, but I was like, I was like, okay, I got like to the halfway part. And then I'm like, do they do the cult thing? Okay. They do the cult thing. I'm good. So that's that. I think I gave it one star, even though I talked about it for a very long time, but, um, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. It's just, it's wild which makes it fun to talk about. Uh, and I didn't mention that the dog, this is going to be very niche reference. The dog is voiced by someone that sounds like 
the rooster narrator in the Disney Robin Hood movie. Oh, this is so niche. I don't know if anyone gets it. But in the Robin Hood movie that Disney did where they're all animals, the rooster is like the bard who's like, I have Robin Hood and little John walking through the forest. That guy. It sounds like that guy. I don't think it's that guy. But it's like that type. And it's like uh, like an old shaggy dog. It looks like shaggy dog in the Tim Allen movie, shaggy dog. That's the dog. And he has like this kind of sultry baritone voice. I'm like, what? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's so weird. But that's what I watched. And I maybe should have looked more into it. And when I added it to this marathon, I just saw that it took place in 2024. I'm like, wouldn't that be fun? Wouldn't that be cute and quirky to do a movie that's set in this year? And I was surprised by what happened. So there you go. I think I haven't been this surprised when I watched a movie since House. But House is great. House is great. I just expected something completely different than what we got with House. Me too. But I'm not mad at it. I'm not either. I like House. The ending is kind of slow. I didn't realize that until is, but, we watched you know, it. It's, <laughs> it's just a like, wild ride. It's like a, 90% of the way. Yeah. Like the part where the guy gets turned into bananas. Who would have thought? Yeah. That was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. That's it's a good movie. But this movie is not. I would say avoid it. Not at all costs, but at some costs. Most costs. Most costs. Uh, if you're into that sort of thing. I don't know if we should be advertising should, to you. Probably shouldn't be. <laughs> if you're into that sort of thing, probably stop listening to us in general. Because <laughs> I, don't, I don't want you to listen to my opinions on anything. Frankly, I don't care about you. And I think you should rot in a hole and a 15 year old boy is going to be disappointed that someone cut you up too much because someone could have used you two more times is that too dark i don't know okay i did it in a movie so that's true i didn't even come up with that someone else did harlan ellison did which i thought was funny because the only thing i knew about harlan ellison is that H bomber guy uses him as the intro to the plagiarism video because he has one of the very few successful plagiarism lawsuits where someone actually copied him and he got money in court. Um, which is a whole other thing I could have talked about because he has a whole lawsuit section on his Wikipedia because he was just so <laughs> happy too. So makes sense that he won, but yeah, I think that'll do it for this week, Desert Marathon. Uh, I was expecting to talk about Mad Max for the majority of this, but the boy and his dog is just too interesting. Uh, but next week, uh, we're going to be watching some bona fide masterpieces. Some people have, uh, I've seen a lot of people have Paris, Texas as like a perfect movie, but based on who I have seen give that a perfect movie. I don't know if I'm going to totally agree, but we are going to be watching Paris, Texas. We're also going to be watching Easy Rider. Same boat, same people saying that that's a perfect movie too. All these take place in the desert, hopefully. I don't know. 
Uh, and then The Hills Have Eyes, which is not a masterpiece, but takes place in the desert. And there is a road trip element to it, so it fits the criteria. So that is, uh, that's what we're doing next week. Watch them if you want to, not to have them spoiled. So that's it for me. Uh, I have a little bit of music stuff, but we'll get there when we get there. I'll throw it over to Babby for his segment now. A couple things. Um, Some stuff happened. Some things happened. Uh, I think the Grammys happened, but we're not going to be talking about that because I don't care. I saw SZA Um, won something. Did she? I think she won like best pop performance with Phoebe Bridgers on that song. Oh, I didn't even know those nominated. I I didn't either. I've (laughs) I've gotten so tuned out of award season because it's just not worth it. (laughs) Yeah, not really. Um, Yeah, it's stupid. But that happened. uh, uh, Somebody died today. What? Who died Uh, today? Carl Weathers? Toby Keith? Keith? No, Carl Weathers died a couple days ago. I know. Rest in peace, Carl Weathers. I think uh, Toby Keith. Toby Keith? Yeah, he's dead. Uh lol um i don't know who toby keith is <laughs> i didn't know who it was either until <laughs> i was like wait who is this again i'm like oh that guy should i know um nah, well, mm, no it's a cowboy he he's a cowboy all right he did the he was one of the guys that did like all of like the really like uh insane country songs after 9-11 oh oh yeah Oh, yeah. Okay, I've heard one of those songs because yeah. my ex played it for me because she was really into country. And uh-huh. she was like, just like, eh, I think we were kind of buzzed and we were like listening to music and she was just playing a bunch of country music and that song came on and I was like, skip this. This is legitimately insulting. Yes, that song. I think it was courtesy Among of the Red, White, and Blue. Yes, like, that's, that's, that's the one. Gross. I hate this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so he died. See ya. Um, Bye-bye. Taylor Swift announced a new album with a horrible title, so I'm hoping oh. that's ironic, and she doesn't seriously think that's a cool title. Um, I saw Post Malone's on it. Post Malone is on it, which is <laughs> wild. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, whatever. Um, listen to a couple of new things this week. Uh, nothing too big. Um, it's going to be mostly like news of stuff coming out. But uh, Hit Boy and the Alchemist released a little EP. Oh. Um, two of the best producers as of late, I would say. Um, and I think just in general. Uh, did a little three-song pack. Um, and they're both rapping and producing on it. So they kind of like trade off on production. And then they both kind of rap over each other's beats. Um it's pretty fun, pretty cool. Uh, I talked about Alchemist rapping in, I think it was Rising High 2, he did a lot of rapping on. Um, he's pretty decent. Uh, I, I It's still like, you, it's a weird feeling because you know that he's like not, he hasn't found his style yet. So it's really weird to listen to because he sounds like Action Bronson oh. without the charisma that he has. So it's really strange. Like, it works in most pockets, but other pockets, it's like, this sounds a little awkward. Um, But I I don't hate it. I mean, 
it's not like there's going to be like any huge bars or anything, but you know, he, he, he can keep up pretty well. Um, and then you have hit boy, which I have never heard rap before. Uh, and he did okay as well. I feel like alchemist stood out a bit more from what I heard. Um, but it, it feels like some pretty great beats that they were using. And it's like, you can tell that they're just like kind of having fun. So I can't really take it too seriously. But at the same time, I'm like, this is not the echelon of rapping that is usually on top of these beats because their artist selection is usually really great. Sure. So when it's them, it's like, this is a little, it's like, should I even be listening to this? This feels like, uh, they're just kind of having fun. Um, but I, I like it. it it's, I only saved like one song that I'll probably go back to, but, uh, it's a, it's a fun experiment. I'm, I'm glad they're like branching out and feel confident enough to kind of do that. Um, cause I know some people are, are, are into it. Um, but I don't know. I, I hope they get better at rapping if they want to like go into that. It's like, they're definitely not bad by any means, but, um, I don't know when you, when you hear an alchemist or a hit boy beat, you usually have a preconceived notion of what's going to be going on in that beat. And then it's like them and it's, it's, it's weird. Um, it's like the junior varsity league of rap almost, but by two <laughs> legends that make beats, it's really weird. Um, but yeah, it, it's pretty decent. So check it out. It's only 10 minutes, I think. Um, and then we're talking about meth. Viper. That was a brilliant a segue. No, Viper oh. was crack. Viper oh. was also convicted of yeah, kidnapping someone. Um, so, we won't talk about that. We don't want to talk no, <laughs> <let's not> about <laughs> uh, The band Meth uh, that I did not know existed until this Friday or last Friday. Uh, They're from Chicago. They are a sludge metal band. Wow. I've been doing a lot of metal this year so far. I guess that's just when, what's been coming out. Um, but uh, I like my sludge metal. I did a little metal somewhat deep dive like beginning of last year because I used to do that in genres and now I've kind of stopped doing that for whatever reason. Um, but I wanted to kind of carve out a lane in metal and I kind of found what I liked. I love stoner metal. I still listen to a lot of that stuff. Um, but I also really love sludge metal because the distortion is nutty. Uh, I love the chat pile record that I talked about last year. Um, I guess that was, that was two years ago already. Uh, I think it was 2022 that thing came out. Um, but big fan of chat pile. So I'm like, okay, I can get in some more, you know, sludge metal noise stuff. Um, but this is like a full on metal record. Like, uh, chat pile kind of mixes it with more elements of noise rock. This one is like, it takes metal elements. You have the insane kick pedals, you have the insane drumming, all of that. Um, but their new album shame, uh, it's 43 minutes. It's really good. I really enjoyed it. Um, just pure adrenaline from start to finish. There's like not really any breathers across this thing. It's hard to talk about records like this because there's so much in your ears. It's kind of hard to even describe what you're listening to. Um, it gets to the point of almost overpowering, but they do some really nice bridge sections for like 10 to 20 seconds per track where you're like, your ears have time to breathe, if that makes sense. You can kind of, like, get your bearings, and then all of a sudden you're thrown right back in. Um, but I thought this thing was really good. Um, and I actually like the vocals quite a bit, too. Usually it's, like, they get too screamy for me, or it's, like, a really weird, like, Nordic-type thing, which I'm also not really into when it comes to metal. Um, but I feel like they hit a perfect balance here. There's some scream parts to it, but I, I think it actually fits pretty well. Um, but, yeah. Really good, 
uh, metal record, check it out. I think it's pretty underrated. This is like the second or third group I'm reviewing this year that has like less than 20k monthly listeners. Um, so I'm liking checking out these smaller bands. It's nice to see like uh, new bands pop up with uh, with styles that are like, you know, you can tell they're building on of other uh, on other stuff. But they had a 2019 record. I might check that one out eventually. But uh, check out Shame by Meth. It's really good. <laughs> I can't talk about metal that well yet. Um, I don't even know if I ever want to talk well about metal. It's, it's a really hard genre to talk about. I'm like, it's like, this is disgusting. I love it. I guess that's the same <laughs> about the horror movie, you know, yeah, marathon that you did, I suppose. That is um, true. But yeah, very good. Uh, so check that out. Um, when it comes to stuff coming out, we got Chelsea Wolf this Friday, so I'll be talking about that next week. Um, she released like five singles for this record, and there's ten songs. Uh, we stopped listening to the singles. I've heard Dusk, which is the last track, and Dusk is fantastic. Um, I think I heard Everything Turns Blue once, but I don't remember it at all. Um, mm. But I'll definitely be talking about that next week, so digging into even more metal. Um but yeah, super excited for that. Dusk is fantastic, so I'm expecting some good stuff here. Uh, we talked about Taylor Swift. Of course. Post Malone. <laughs> of course. Of course. Um, we just did a Portishead video, and Boy Time Timing, Beth Gibbons is releasing a solo record um, for the first time, I think, ever. Oh, <laughs> she had one in 2002. Never mind. Mm-hmm. Although it was, a, it was with someone else. But... Um, I guess she signed like a record deal like 10 years ago and she's finally getting to releasing the album. So big flex for being able to do that. Um, but I will be listening to that because the Porterhead Porter uh, Head record was fantastic. I love it. I've been listening to that all week. Um, and then the other big thing, uh, TDE is alive. What? Again, which is, I, I forgot they existed for a little bit, honestly. Um, <laughs> But they're back in a big way, apparently. Uh, They released, I don't know, there was like some Isaiah Rashad, like 10th anniversary for the Sylvia demo. Uh, And there was a whole bunch of stuff where it's like Isaiah Rashad, new album this year, J-Rock, new album this year, TDE compilation this year, um, SZA album this year. What? Uh, Yeah. I think SZA's been teasing that album for a while. Really? I think she said it was going to be an SOS Deluxe, but she has so many mm-hmm. songs that she's just going to turn it into a new record, which I am oh. okay with. I'll say um, the Control Deluxe slaps hard, so true. I'll take anything. <laughs> yes, and SOS is still fantastic. I think that should have won Album of the Year at the Grammys, but oh, we're it's great. Um, but yeah, but the biggest one, and the for me at least, and the one that's actually happening is Schoolboy Q announced. I think yesterday. Uh, that he has an album coming out March 1st, and he released two singles today for it, Um, or two videos for it at least. Uh, Took a little bit of a sample of those. I didn't like do a deep listen since I did not really have time to do that, but they sound fantastic. I know Alchemist is on one of those. Um, Yeah, Blue Lips comes out March 1st. I am so, so excited for a Schoolboy album. It's been five years. Uh, Crash Talk was in 2019. Trash Talk was okay. I mean, it's not going to be anything like Oxymoron or Blank Face, but I'm hoping this new one is great. Um, from the sound of the two songs, uh, they both sound really good. So 
I am very excited for that. I'm glad to kind of have TDE back, hopefully. I mean, I'll take a Schoolboy album. I want a J-Rock album, for sure. Um, and this compilation record is going to be interesting. So, I mean, yeah. they, they got to kind of step up their game after Kendrick left, and they've been kind of not really doing anything. Um, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's very exciting. Um, what else was there? I feel like there was one more thing. Uh, oh, yes. Little Sims. Something's coming <gasps> on really? the 9th. Yes. She posted a really vague snippet um, a couple days ago uh, with a butterfly or something and some electronic sounding beat. Um, oh, boy. So something's coming out on the 9th. I don't know if it's a single. I don't know if it's an album. Uh, I don't know if it's an announcement to an album. I don't know. But, uh Yeah. I am very excited for that. seems like she's going to be going into a little bit more of an experimental route, which I'm so here yes, for. I love uh, Little she Sims. Has, she has not missed Mm-mm. in a while. I have not listened to her back catalog, but I should do that. Um, but yeah, very excited for that. I've been going back to No Thank You uh, recently, and that album still slaps. Yeah. So very excited for that. So we'll see what that is on the 9th. If it is a new album, we will do a reaction to that whenever that comes out. Absolutely. Um, because we're, you know, that's one we got to do. Um, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Uh, yeah. That's I don't think it. I've been really listening to anything else. Um, it's been all Porta's head. Mm. It's a good record. Sir. I've, yeah, that's all I have. I've been uh, going deep dive a little bit into not necessarily underground R&B, but not like, is it Doja Cat r and I'm trying to think of like big names. I guess SZA talked about. SZA is this probably the biggest. The biggest. Right um, but I was listening to Ombre, uh, who I don't know much about, but... Their record, uh, 3,000 Degrees, which came out in uh, 2022. Uh, Very good. Probably won't add it to the wheel or anything because it is 18 minutes. But uh, really, really solid stuff. Um, Kind of... Trying to describe it. It's kind of... I mean, it's just chill. Chill R&B. Just some nice grooves. Pretty good lyrics on it. I, I haven't really too much on it i've only been listening to it for the past couple of days but yeah i've been i'm about halfway through pulp which is uh her 2019 release which is about 30 minutes theoretically we could do that one i don't know if it's as good yet but just thought i would throw that out there because that's very good um i was also listening to a little uh india sean um, who had an album in 2021 that had our boy Anderson Pack on it. And I'm like, well, yes, I gotta sir. listen to that. Where's he at? That's a great question. I don't know. <laughs> Ventura, well, I guess Ventura's his last solo album. I need a solo record. I would love one. No offense to Bruno Mars, but I need a solo record. Hey, you know, Silk Sonic was great. Didn't he just do another one, like No Worries? Didn't he do that? Yeah, it's not out yet. <laughs> oh, it isn't? I don't think so. Oh. Uh, oh, okay. Um, yeah, we need definitely get some more Anderson Pack. But 
Yeah, I was listening to uh, India Sean's record before we go. Has Andy Pack and Black and Unknown Mortal Orchestra on it. Really smooth stuff again, but that's kind of my jam. So yes, sir. that's what I've been listening to. And also Billy Joel's song released. Oh, I listened yeah. to it once. It's a Billy Joel song. Um, I would say like, I don't know. It's just kind of hard to hear his voice these days, like, cause it is kind of rough and it's not totally what I'm expecting when going into Billy Joel. But I mean, the song is just as good as anything I would say that came out in the eighties, you know, that kind of era where I would put it. It might be an unreleased song from then. I don't know. Um, but from my understanding, it is new. I don't know. I know that he collaborated with like four people because I was kind of curious. I went through the genius of this song and then I went to the genius of like some of the older songs and like those are all like written, produced everything by Billy Joel. And this one has like a bunch of writing credits and like two producer, two or three producer credits. So, but I guess that's just kind of how it is with these older artists when they come out with new music, you know, but pretty good. I like it well enough. Turn the lights back on. Pretty good track. Haven't listened to it since it came out, but I remember thinking it was pretty okay. That's it. That's all I've been listening to. Yes, sir. Yeah, we got uh, Emotion Heap this week on the channel, so check that out next week. Let's go. I'm so excited. So excited. I, I haven't listened to that full record in a while that's um, good yeah we'll have to talk about well, I don't know if we're going to talk about it but we're going to have to bring up the fact that it is one of the worst album covers of all time oh I'm definitely going to bring that up <laughs> I don't know how that it was 2005 and even then it's bad yeah really bad yeah it's not great it's funny that, like, the album that she released after that's like, eh, scratch it. It's just going to be a picture of you. It's like, okay, yeah, that's fine. Just, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Which yeah, I, music slaps, that's all I care about. Oh. I can just avert my eyes whenever the album covers on my screen. Yeah. That's all I'll say. It slaps hard, but yeah, that album cover is bad. But, yeah, I guess that'll do it this week's episode of double way time podcast you know our episodes have been very short recently we're more concise yeah we're I not getting so. as backtracked as we used to be i suppose that's good i guess i'm just saying like we, for a while there we were doing like two and a half episodes every week and yeah. now we're sub an hour 30 every time i dig it i dig it too it's just a trend. So, yeah, that'll do it for this week's episode. Um, and next week, Paris, Texas, Easy Rider, The Hills Have Eyes. Uh, I was going to say the schedule is going to be in the description. It's just going to be those three movies and where you can find it. So hopefully that's helpful. Uh, next week we'll be talking about those. I don't think anything else is scheduled. We might talk about it, that Xbox thing, depending on what happens. Um, 
But yeah, I think that'll that'll do it. Bye.